anybody I would like to live a long life, longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. King speaking April 3rd, 1968. Within 24 hours, he would be dead, assassinated on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel, April 4th, 1968. Today is the federal holiday that honors him. That does it for our show. Democracy Now! is produced by Mike Burke, Dina Guzder, Nermeen Sheikh, Carla Wills, Tammy Warnoff, Libby Rainey, Sam Alkoff, John Hamilton, Robbie Karen, Hani Massoud, Sharina Nadura, Tamari Astudio, Adriano Contreras, and Maria Tarasena. Mike DeFilippo and Miguel Naguera are engineers. Special thanks to Becca Staley, Julie Crosby, Miriam Barnard, Hugh Grand, David Prude, Vesta Godars, and Carl Markser. And to our camera crew, John Randolph, Karen Krogmeadows, Anna Ozbeck, and Matt Ely. I'm Amy Goodman. Thanks so much for joining this us. This is KBOO Portland, volunteer-powered community radio. KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy is available at our website at kboo.fm. Due to the temporary closure of in-station activity at KBOO, meetings will be conducted online via public video conferencing, unless otherwise noted. A public link and phone number to attend the meetings are available on our website. The Finance Committee meets on the third Thursday of the month at 5.30 p.m. Please visit our website at kboo.fm to verify if the meeting is being held. An interview with Akili Anai from the Uhuru Movement about the recent raid and indictment by the FBI. Akili Anai is a 26-year-old editor of the Burning Spear newspaper, former St. Petersburg, Florida City Council candidate, and she was featured in Ebony Magazine as a millennial of change. Black power activists have been targeted in an FBI's multi-city raid last summer and are scheduled to be indicted and arrested this month. Visit handsoffuhuru.org for full background info. This interview was conducted by Emma Lugo, host and producer of Transpositive PDX, a member of the Prison Pipeline's production team, and chair of the board of directors at KBU. Baby, you understand me now. If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are good Oh Lord, please don't let me 
and you're listening to Prison Pipeline here on KBOO Community Radio. My name is Emma and I use she and her pronouns. Tonight we're talking with Akile Anai. Akile, welcome to Prison Pipeline. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Akile, can you tell us, um, first of all, can you give us a little bit of a background on who you are and what you do? And then we'll get into what's going on right now with the Uhuru movement. Absolutely. Um, well, I was born and raised in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, right here in the U.S. And I am uh, currently uh, the director of agitation and propaganda for the African People's Socialist Party. This is essentially the media communications department uh, for our whole Uhuru movement. And uh, part of that work is facilitating the uh, production of our Burning Spear newspaper, our radio stations, our social media, our web work. Um, this is the instrument that allows us to define, you know, our narrative and also to control it. Uh, it's the thing that allows us to contend in the war of ideas with the, you know, the colonial bourgeoisie. And um, I've been doing this work since um, I graduated high school in 2015. So I joined the African People's Socialist Party at 18 years old. And um, I've I've been doing this um, this work ever since, and uh, I I got my start uh, in this in you know political work uh, through my father, who was um, connected to the Uhuru movement uh, as early as twelve years old. So it was um, kind of like a rite of passage, so to speak, uh, coming into this this work and and just being able having uh, the leader of this organization, Chairman Amalia Shatella, to really sum up the world in a way that made the most sense to me and then not only explain the world but provided the vehicle and and had the the steadfast leadership um that really pushed me to you know just to want to make the same kind of commitment so that's a little bit uh about me and the the work that i'm currently involved in thank you um the hands-off Uhuru Hands Off Africa campaign has received word that Black Power activists targeted in the FBI's multi-city raid last summer will be indicted and arrested this month. Um, can you talk about that? What's going on? Why is the FBI targeting? Uh, is it is it because you're being effective? What's going on with that? Yeah, so July 29th of last year, the FBI conducted a simultaneous pre-dawn raids and true and true to their fashion, um, on uh, the Uhuru movement's uh, leaders, Chairman Amalia Shatella, um, and uh, they conducted it in uh, two uh, very strong places where the Uhuru movement has bases, uh, both in St. Louis, Missouri, and in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I'm, as mentioned, I'm based in St. Petersburg, and our headquarters um, recently relocated to St. Louis, Missouri. And so they conducted these violent pre-dawn raids. Um, at 5 a.m. Central and 6 a.m. Eastern time. And um, in St. Louis, they came to the chairman's home and they used flashbang grenades and blew out the windows, uh, assault rifles, drones, armored vehicles, um, FBI agents in, you know, full gear uh, and, you know, raided their homes, stole equipment, laptops and phones. Um, they attacked our Solidarity Center in the same fashion and um, held our solidarity comrades at gunpoint. 
And in St. Petersburg, Florida, they uh, lured me out of my home. Uh, told they they used the the local police department to um, uh, knock on my door, say my car had been broken into, and um, I went to check my vehicle as they instructed me, and then I was surrounded by FBI agents, and then they stole my laptop and phone as well. They raided our Uhuru house in St. Petersburg. It was, I think. Um, a six hour uh, uh, lockdown where they had our whole community blocked off. And it's important to mention that these are both impoverished, uh, historically black communities that these raids were conducted. And the the basis, that, well, what they said was the basis for the attack um, was, you know, they have accused us of being um, agents of the Russian government. This is what they're saying to justify these attacks. and. You know, but we know the truth and we know the truth because history tells it uh, that the FBI has historically attacked um, uh, black people specifically in this country uh, for, you know, just, you know, fighting for the right to be free, fighting for self-determination, fighting to, you know, overturn our oppressive conditions. Uh, where the statistics and things speak for themselves in terms of the what they call disparities and things of that nature. Um, these are the conditions that black people have historically struggled around. And so they've attacked and uh, were part of defeating our movement, um, especially in the 1960s, countless assassinations and imprisonment um, of our leaders. Um, but this is something that dates back, you know, well in the early 1900s that they um, uh, with the Marcus Garvey movement. Um, that they uh, have been, you know, engaged in this kind of assault. So that's what took place on July 29th. And um, in in late December, we learned uh, that they intend to pursue um, indictments of Chairman Amalia Shetela, uh, myself, uh, Chairwoman Penny Hess, who's the leader of our African People's Solidarity Committee, and Jesse Neville, who's the chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. There are others who are also at risk, um, and they've characterized us as, as unindicted co-conspirators. And so, um, you know, they intend to go full throttle with uh, their assault on this movement, again, being characterized as some crackdown against uh, malign influence when uh, really this is just the cover that they are using to wage a war on black liberation. Can you talk about the recent backlash against the racial justice movement that's happened in this country since the uprising around George Floyd and how this plays into that backlash? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that this is really important because we're looking at a situation where throughout the world and especially in this country, um, the confidence of the U.S. government and the state apparatus um, has diminished. Uh, and that this has been the case for black people in this country for centuries. I don't think there's ever been a time where, um, you know, the majority of the black population in this country, you know, who got here as a result of slavery and colonialism ever uh, trusted, um, you know, the the U.S. government or uh, it's, you know, the state apparatus, which is the police, the courts, et cetera. Um, but I think that this is coming into bold relief for majority of the people um, in this country. And it's also based on struggles that are happening throughout the world where the US is really scrambling to maintain hegemony. And it's competing with all of these different forces and, and colonized people ourselves who are fighting for a, a world where we are no longer dominated. But um, we certainly saw this um, reach a certain fever pitch 
I would say um, even in 2014 with the murder of Michael Brown um, in St. Louis and Ferguson, where the rising up of the African working class in uh, Ferguson sparked this rebellion. And then in 2020 with the murder of George Floyd. And I think these are things that it's like the cats out of the bag. You Once these things are, uh, are re revealed, it can't be undone. And there, there's no explanation that the system is giving that really makes sense. And at the same time that it's choking black people in broad daylight and killing us and, you know, and walking away with impunity, you know, there's also the just the growing um, exacerbating uh, conditions of, of, of people in this country as it relates to, you know, even with the COVID-19 pandemic and the, this country's response and, it, and its inability to, you know, uh, be able to, you know, just keep things in the same old way. And, you know, it's inability to respond and, 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 and take care of people and things like that. I mean, all of this is, is uh, again, revealing itself um, to to people in, in a way where it's just undeniable, where maybe before it was something that didn't need, you didn't necessarily need to see it, um, but now it's impossible uh, to, to walk away from it. And so you have this, but you also have the history. And as I mentioned this, the FBI attacks uh, the stalking, the assassinations of black people in this country. You know, these are things that have been happening and we have the benefit of that history to know what this is and um we see how you know just the state uh is is just involved in 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 all of these various aspects of life and it intervenes in what and you know we have uh like uh u.s president joe biden who talks about restoring and saving america's democracy meanwhile you have this state apparatus that's intervening and oppressing you know people on a daily basis and so the just the confidence is gone and um you know and you see that coming from all kinds of all sectors of people you know um even people that we might not even be politically aligned with we see this uh kind of at least uh, a recognition that you know the fbi and entities uh like it are you know uh, uh facilitating you know and stripping away you know uh, uh true democracy and, um, you know, which is something that the U.S. government is touting and saying it's fighting for. So um, and I think part of uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll just I'll keep it there. This is again, the cat is out of the bag. It's something that cannot be denied. And as the peoples of the world continue to struggle for a new world, uh, this this will continue to, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, create backlash uh, for this system. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about Omali Yeshitala, um, the leader of the Uhuru movement? Um, I, I take it you have um, you, you have familiar, familiarity with Omali. Uh, why did the FBI target an 81-year-old man? What does he stand for, the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhuru movement. He's helped to create the theory of African internationalism. Why is the FBI targeting somebody like this? Well, I think uh, that part of the answer to that question is based in what you just you know, said about the chairman in terms of um, the work that he's done and that he's done this work for more than 60 years. And he got his start um, uh you know, engaged in the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and organizing voting rights for Black people in this country in the South. And, you know, he was beaten 
um, you know, and, and face assassination attempts throughout his lifetime, uh, jailed. Uh, and, you know, was, you know, beaten and, and, and threatened just for trying to register uh, black people to vote. And, um, you know, so this is he's been engaged in this uh, struggle and he never, ever uh, let up. He never relented. And I think that's part of it. Uh, like I said, they threw everything they ha um, they could at him and it never stopped him. And so um, uh, I think now they think that they have this opportunity before them to do it when he's 81 years old. And we and we've been able to really sum this up. What does this really mean to attack an, uh, this 81 year old man and to throw him in prison um, under you know these bogus charges? And if you depending on how you know they want to pursue it um, and with the the certain charges that they are uh, going to be leveling against us and the counts and all these types of things and the time. Um, with these charges, I mean, they they essentially intend to assassinate him, you know, throw him in prison for the remainder of his life, um, you know, uh, incapacitate incapacitating him. Uh, 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 and we call we're calling this a legal lynching to call it what it is. It's a legal lynching of Chairman Amalia Chatella that they're trying to carry out. They're trying to imprison this uh, this man until the point, um, you know, he's almost 100 years old and all this time. Um, he's been engaged in this struggle. He's never, ever let up. And uh, when the Black Revolution of the 1960s was defeated militarily, when King was killed, when Malcolm X was killed, you know, when uh, movements, organizations were crushed in this country, Chairman Mali Shetela kept fighting and he was organizing, um, uh, especially throughout the U.S. South and formed the African People's Socialist Party in 1972. And he's never stopped. And he's gone all around the world. They're accusing him of being an agent of Russia because um, a part they're citing uh, part of their evidence is that he went to Moscow and he spoke at a conference in Moscow. But the chairman has spoken in Spain. The chairman has spoken in Oxford. The chairman has spoken in uh, Belfast, Ireland. The chairman has spoken in Nicaragua. And he's been all throughout the world organizing with the same mission and building international solidarity, you know, with the African revolution and the struggle of oppressed peoples uh, against U.S. imperialism colonial and colonialism. So, you know, this is who, in a nutshell, Chairman Amalia Shetela is, as you mentioned, um, the, 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 the author of the theory of African internationalism, which is this theory that explains the world uh, for what it is, helps us to see this is how the world came into be, and not only explains how the world came to be this way, but gives us a blueprint uh, to the, you know, to the future, a world where we don't have to live under these circumstances where, you know, there doesn't have to be any form of oppression, you know, where nobody has to live at the expense of anybody else. This is, is what he's done, and it challenges this existing system, this existing colonial mode of production that informs how the whole world functions. And that's that's seriously problematic um, when when that same old world that feeds off the exploitation and oppression of peoples all over, you know, is is trying to maintain uh, that relationship with the rest of us. So that's seriously problematic. And like I said, he's been involved in this uh, struggle for 60 years. He's never stopped. And that's a you know, that's a big no, no. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I think that this is, you know, um, why we see him uh, being attacked today and what they intend to do uh, with this assault. And, you know, our job is to, you know, not al allow them to be successful. Thank you. Can you tell us, um, for our listeners who aren't familiar with it, can you tell us more about the history of the Uhuru movement? How did it get started and, uh, and what is it? 
So the Uhuru movement is a, a worldwide movement um, organizing Africans and you know all other oppressed and and peoples and peoples in solidarity with the right and struggle of Black people to be free. Um, uh, you know, towards freedom and self-determination. And that, uh, like I said uh, just a moment ago, the uh, chairman founded the African People's Socialist Party, which is the political party, the, the primary vehicle, which informs all the work of the Uru movement, provides the leadership um, for this work. And it was founded in 1972 on African Liberation Day, actually. And um, it it came, it consolidated uh, three organizations. It was an organization founded by the chairman uh, called the Hunter of Militant Organizations or JOMA. And um, it was also the Black Rights Fighters in Fort, Myer, Fort Myers, Florida, and the Gainesville Black Study Group, also based in Florida. These organizations came together, formed the party with the mission to complete the Black Revolution of the 1960s. So the, the Black Revolution was defeated militarily um, in the 1960s, and um, the, the party assumed responsibility to complete it and have been working towards that objective ever since. And so it has organized Africans um, in this country and throughout the world, on the continent, in Europe, in the Caribbean, and everywhere it is we've been dispersed because of colonialism, it's been organizing and building the, the presence of the Party Miyahuru movement. And um, it uh, extends again into you know all different types of sectors of people, meets them at uh, certain uh, political places. Uh, we have different organizations that speaks to the different problems that were left outstanding from the defeat of the Black Revolution, um, like the question of, uh, you know, white solidarity with, you know, Black power, with the Black Revolution. How would um, white people, the colonizer population, participate in the Black Revolution um, under the leadership of the African working class? It result it's, So it solved this problem. It solved the problem of, uh, you know, addressing the special oppression of African women. Um, and, you know, the whole question of economic development and resources to the African revolution. So it's this is a process that it's been involved in. Uh, we turned 50 years old just last year in 2022, um, which also makes this FBI attack significant because we've been alive for 50 years, despite all different types of uh, uh, state repression and attacks um, against us. But I mean, that's the mission. And it's to free Africa. It's to free African people who have been living under colonial domination for 600 years. Because when um, the first European stepped foot on Africa and snatched the first African and you know brought us to these different places throughout the world, it's just important to note that that relationship, that reality has not changed. That that's still, we're still suffering as a consequence of, of that initial assault. And so our objective in the party is to overturn that relationship and to, to liberate our people and our resources. And, and through that process, liberate the world from, you know, this um, this uh, major atrocity that's been committed against humanity that's locked us into this situation, this relationship that we experience today. And the chairman has defined that as the colonial mode of production. Um, so that's, yeah, in, in summation, that's who we are, what we do, and uh, why we were founded. There's uh, two other people who have been targeted uh, for arrest, Penny Hess and Jesse Neville. Um, Penny Hess is the chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Party and the author of 
Overturning the Culture of Violence. Um, Penny's a leader in the movement for white solidarity with Black Power. And Jesse Neville has also been targeted by the FBI, uh, chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, and a former candidate for mayor in St. Petersburg, also organizing campaigns for white reparations to the African community. Um, can you talk about why the FBI is targeting Penny House and Jesse Neville as well, and their roles in um, the Uhuru movement and the struggles for African liberation. Absolutely, I think that um, what was really important uh, around about this attack against our movement was that we created a situation where they, the FBI, the colonial state, had to not just make this attack on Africans but they had to go into the white community, um, uh, the, which is in, in St. Louis, the South, it's the South side. They had to go into the white community to carry out this assault as well. And that's really, really significant. And the reason why Jesse and Penny were assaulted in this process is because they represent the success of a strategy that the chairman developed um, you know, as early as 1976, which summed up you know, uh, the role of white people in the struggle for black liberation, what that would be. And um, and that this this strategy has been effective, the development of the African People's Solidarity Committee and the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, where we exist in over 140 cities throughout this country, um, I believe over 30 states. We have um, uh, an institution in uh, St. Louis, along with all of the other uh, institutions and programs that we have developed there within the last couple of years, the Uhuru Solidarity Center, which organizes with the same political understanding that we do in the African community, but in the white community and winning other white people to the same stance. And this creates a serious, serious contradiction, especially within the colonizer population itself, because you have more and more people abandoning the interests of it, uh, the colonial ruling class, the colonizers included. And, um, you know, that that takes shape in a couple of different ways. But it's uh, really important that the the presence and intervention of the African People's Socialist Party has penetrated the colonizer community in the form of the African People's Solidarity Committee and the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. And I think that, like I said, the success of this strategy of organizing you know, white people and influencing um, the the understandings of the colonizer population um, has has been really really important in fracturing the unity of the colonizer population itself. And and this this unity is something that you know the colonial ruling class really counts on. Um, so that this is something that they can carry out with the complicity of the colonizer population of the white community itself but they don't have the benefit of that anymore. Whereas they did in the 1960s, they had the benefit of the complicity of the white population and, and the, the attack being made on the black liberation movement, but now they don't have that benefit. And, you know, so I, I think this is, uh, you know, what Penny and Jesse represent. Um, they represent a different stance that white people are able to take that, um, you know, white people don't have to continue being isolated from the rest of the world, that they can take a genuine stance um, of solidarity uh, with the Black liberation, and um, that there is a future in that, that the bleak future that's offered by this dying social system is not something that you have to inherit, that the colonizer has to inherit, 
Um, it could be a, um, a future where, again, I've, I've already established that the people are free, you know, where nobody is living at the expense of anybody else. There's not this relationship of colonized and colonizer. Um, uh, and, you know, so I, I just think that this is what they represent. They represent, again, a future that the, the party has been fighting for um, for 50 years and that this is why they would have to uh, be attacked at the same time that the African community um, that came under attack. So it's it's really important the work that we've done with um, the solidarity movement. Uh, this 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 uh, this component of the African People's Socialist Party. It's not a separate or parallel organization. It's under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, and and that again shows the success of this party in winning and uniting people um, throughout the world to uh, this this mission, this trajectory. Thank you. And um, <clears throat> finally, if people want to get involved, if they um, want to support uh, any of the four people who are under indictment right now, including yourself, how can they get involved in the movement of support for that? Yes, thank you. Um, I to, to start, I would just say that, you know, it it's really something I want to note is that we've seen support come in from all different types of people in different sectors of people. And with the basic recognition that, you know, the FBI is, you know, absolutely this repressive tool by the US that's used by the US government to make war on the people. And um, generally speaking, this attack on our movement has been very obvious in that fact. Um, and so, you know, it's something just that people can unite with that black people have the right to struggle to be free. And that if you have basic unity with that point, you know, then you should go over to handsoffuhuru.org to um, take the emergency response pledge, which is um, you signing up. So when indictments come down, you are immediately alerted and you can move into action to join this movement, the Hands Off Uhuru, Hands Off Africa movement um, that's fighting back against state repression. Um, and, uh, yeah, so you can sign the emergency response and then also um, uh, resources are urgently needed. Um, I mean, the we're take, you know, they want to put us on trial, but we have to put them on trial. And not only are we making this uh, struggle politically in the streets, but we also have to make this struggle in the courtroom. And part of what they want to do with this assault is to take away the resources that have gone to the programs that we have developed for the benefit of the African community. So they wanna bleed these institutions dry. Again, sign the emergency response pledge, circulate our hands off a of rule petition. And you know, again, you can join this campaign. You can be a part of this movement. Um, and you know, because the time uh, is now uh, to fight back against the attacks, the FBI attacks against the African People's Socialist Party on the Uhuru movement and the peoples of the world who are struggling to be free. And that is our right. That is our right to struggle to be free. Thank you. We've been talking with Akile Anai. Thank you so much for joining us on Prison Pipeline. Thank you for having me. Baby, you understand me now. If sometimes you see that I'm mad, don't you know no one alive can always be an angel? When everything goes wrong, you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are good 
next on KBU 90.7 FM Portland, we will play for you original audios of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. taken during the period of 1961 to 1970.